The Christ, the Comforter, the Complete Salvation is the title to the series. The Christ, the Comforter, the Complete Salvation. It's the promise of the Father. John read it in Acts chapter 1. The promise of the Father. Um, We were talking after the Sunday school was over. We were talking, John, after Sunday school was over, John and I were talking about what we were seeing together in the book of Isaiah and then how that really fits in what we're going to be seeing in the study that begins um, in John and runs through the book of Acts and goes into the book of Romans. Now, I hope I can convey this well. What we see in John in the Gospel of John, is that Jesus is the Son of God. We see that He is the Christ. The, this is representative of all four Gospels, but in John we see a real strong focus on the deity of our Lord Jesus. And it's in this book, and we spent some time together last week looking at this, It's in this book that what we see is that the Christ is promising that he's going to send forth the Spirit and change everything. He says to Nicodemus that you must be born again or you can't even see the kingdom of God. He says to the woman at the well, if you knew who it was that was talking to you, you'd ask him and he would be able to give you a well of water that would spring up within you. Now, if you turn back, you can turn there, if you would, to Jeremiah 31, 31. Jeremiah 31, 31. Jeremiah 31, 31. We're not going to stay here, but I want you to see this. Jeremiah 31, 31. This is where the promise is made. The promise is made throughout the entire Old Testament. This is, look, look up here, this is important. What's the, what is the promise? And this is the promise of the Father. I'm going to fix Adam. I'm going to fix Adam. You say, but Adam can't be fixed. Well, he can be made new. There's no repairing Adam. He's beyond repair. There, I would say probably the vast majority of people that are in churches throughout America today, I would say the vast majority of people who are in churches throughout the world today are there to be repaired or corrected or have adjustments made. There's no fixing Adam. Adam must be put to death and have a new life. This is what has to happen. Christ has come to live the life that none of us could live so that we could have a new life. But what he has come to do is to fulfill the promise. Here's what it says. In verse 31 of Jeremiah 31, it says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make, now I want you to underline this, a new covenant with the house of Israel. A new covenant. So God clearly intends 
to do something necessary new. There's something that's necessary and it's going to be done. Now, in the context, when Jeremiah is the prophet, when Jeremiah is preaching, Israel has summarily, completely, entirely, totally failed. Failed. They've not been a light to the Gentiles. They have not been the, the, the unique nation they were intended to be. They have not known their God. They have not walked with God. And they have received, unfortunately, the judgment that God said. If you remember going all the way back to when they were brought in, Moses says to them, if you will go in here with God and you will obey him, you will be blessed. If you disobey him, then you're going to have to receive the same condemnation as other evil men receive. And they say, we'll do that. And he says, now listen, I'm testifying against you. You can't do this. This is not a covenant that you can keep. And they said, we will do this. We will do this. And they didn't do it. And they didn't do it. Listen to me. And churchgoers today in America are still trying to keep that covenant. Obey and be blessed disobey, and be cursed. But there's a new covenant coming. Well, what, what happens in the new covenant? Well, let's go down to verse 33. It says, But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in there. Now, now underline this. Remember this. Take this home with you. I will put my law in their inward parts. Tell me that's not wonderful. I will change your heart attitude. You will desire completely. I'll do this, right? I'll do it. I'm not going to ask them to do it anymore. I'll do it. I'll put my law inside them, their inward parts, and I will write it in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. I'll praise God. You go to the end of verse 34, and it says this, for, after the colon, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Amen? Amen? So before, listen, before God can come and live inside you and change you from the inside out, first, He must take away your sin. I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. If that's not what happens, then God has to walk toward us in the judgment that we deserve. Or he has to remain away from us at a certain distance. But praise God, he so loved us that he gave the Son. So that the Son could send forth the Holy Ghost. And that's what we're going to see. That's the purpose of this study. This study will take months. And if I do a good job with it, not only will we not lose track of why we're here, but as we continue to go through this, you will begin to understand. I never understood this. Now, I say this. John said it this morning. John James said it. He was sitting here. He said, um, this specific, the comforter part, we have not entered into. I said, No because it has not been preached and taught like it's supposed to. I don't, now when I say it hasn't, I'm not saying it never was. In my lifetime, I do not know that this emphasis has ever been 
placed in the way that would have been helpful to me. I don't know that it's ever been placed like it should be. In fact, I've heard people who I, who I respect and trust say that Israel had all of the Holy Ghost that the church has. That's not true. Otherwise, it would not be a new covenant. Israel was not permanently indwelt by the Holy Ghost. They weren't. We are. You say, what difference does that make? And I say, all the difference in the world. You say, but it hasn't been making all the difference in the world. And I would say, yes, because we don't know the power. Greater is he that is not near you, not preached about, not taught in your church. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's, that's the new covenant. That's the gospel. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it is the sending forth of the Holy Spirit to live within us to change us from the inside out. Amen? This is the, this, this is the emphasis of the study. Now, I mentioned this last week. If we got to John, and we're not going to look, go, we'll go to John chapter 3. Just go to John chapter 3. We're not going to spend a lot of time in John today. I really hope to get into the book of Acts today. I don't know how far we're going to get. This is still the introduction. The introduction is going to last um, as long as it needs to. But I, here's, what I, here's what I hope you will understand. Listen to me. The promise of the Father. The promise of the Father. Do you have the promise of the Father? If you're a new creature, then you do. If you're a new creature, then you do. Whether you've entered into it or not, you may be living, you may have been living, you may continue living in Romans chapter 7, but you still have the promise of the Father. And you don't have to live there anymore. You don't have to live there anymore. You do not have to walk after your own strength, your own power, your own attempt to please God, to do for God what you are so burdened in your heart that you should be doing. You don't have to do it in your own strength anymore. In fact, you're going to come to realize you cannot do it in your own strength. As, again, Bobby McKinney sings a wonderful song. When you finally fail, when for the last time you, you fail in trying, you will find success in dying. Just die to yourself. What does that mean? Stop trying in your own strength. Stop relying on you. You want to know why you rely on you? Do you want to know why you rely on you? Because you're proud. Because you're proud. Really because you're Adam. Because you're Cain. You want to have something to bring to God. And you want to have something to show the rest of us. Listen, we know you well enough to know you've got nothing to show us. So just stop trying. I've got nothing to show you. That's not true. I have one thing to show you. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. That's the only thing I have to show you. As your pastor, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. All eyes on the Lamb. Today, tonight, tomorrow, always. Always, always, always. And not just all eyes on the Lamb, all hearts on the Lamb. Because praise God, the Lamb lives within you. This is His promise. Now, go to uh, John chapter 3, verse 3. John chapter 3, verse 3. We have to move quickly through these things. There's a number of things I'd like to see together in, uh, oh, it's behind me. Some, somebody should have nodded and said, oh, yeah, it's up there now. All right. So we looked at the promise made. Now we're looking at the promise presented in the Gospel of John. The promise presented. So the promise was made in the Old Testament. 
The promise is being presented to us by our Lord Jesus Christ in the Gospels. He's saying, I'm here to fulfill the promise. I'm here to do everything that has been promised. I am the answer. I am everything. Christ is all. Praise God. Christ is all. You are not. I am not. We are not. Christ is all. And you can tell everybody that. You should tell everybody that. We must tell everybody that. If you're a new creature, you're here to tell everybody that. You are, we, are meant to, we are meant to be a light in a dark place. Israel failed as the light of the world. Israel failed. They were supposed to be a light to the Gentiles. Well, I would say that the church is failing more than she ought to. Local churches are failing more than they ought to. And that's because the individual Christians care more about their glory than his glory. And if we'll let go of that, we'll labor together. We'll labor together. And you say, well, what about my part? You won't care about your part. You'll just do your part. Amen? You'll just do your part. Whatever it is, you'll do it, you'll do it with all of your heart, and you'll want nothing for it. No attention, no bragging, no boasting. I'll do everything the Lord Jesus would have me to do, and when I've done it, I will simply say, I'm an unprofitable servant. I've done what I was asked to do, and if the master had done it, he would have done a far better job than I did, but he let me have a part, and I'm just glad to have had a part. And all of us will do that together, and Christ will be glorified through that. I believe, honestly, that Christ is far more glorified in a weak, unified work than in a contentious work where everybody does their part and argues about it. Do you understand? In fact, I would maintain he's not glorified at all through that. He is not glorified at all in churches where this ministry is powerful and wonderful and magnificent, but, but fights and worries and wonders and, 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 and agonizes about this other. That's not, that's not the glory of God. The glory of God is none of us are anything, and he is everything. Right? His strength is made perfect in my weakness, your weakness, our weakness. When you acknowledge it and I acknowledge it, we can work together. You be weak, I'll be weak, he'll be great. Yes? Yes? And he'll get, <laughs> that's the t-shirt right there, yes? He, he, we'll, he'll just be great. You be weak, I'll be weak. He'll be great. We'll be happy. And by the way, we will be happy. More and more and more, somebody was, I think it was uh, Brother Wayne, what are you so happy about? That's what he said. What are you so happy about? And I said, Jesus is awesome. He's just awesome. That's what I've, uh, more and more and more, I'm not sure why I lose track of how wonderful my father is. He didn't. Jesus didn't lose track of how wonderful the Father was. The disciples were not wonderful. The Pharisees surely weren't wonderful. The world, Israel was <laughs> desperately not wonderful. His Father was wonderful. And you know what? That was more than enough for him. My Father is wonderful. My Father is wonderful. And by the way, by the way, ahead of him was the Father turning his back on him. That's never going to happen to me. Because it happened to him, it's never going to happen to me. Because he said, my God, my God, I get to say, Abba, Father. For the rest of eternity, I get to say, Abba, Father. He will never leave you nor I, nor forsake you nor I, because he forsook the only begotten Son for us. Amen? Worth wor is that not worth worshiping? Is that not worth it's not just worth worshiping, it's worth living for. It is indeed worth dying for. I think some of us may get the privilege. I 
confident that some of our children or grandchildren are going to get the privilege. And you say, no, that's not what we want for them. Are you kidding? Honestly, honestly, are you kidding? Do you think in glory people will not rejoice for having laid down their life for the Lord Jesus Christ? We see in the early church that they went home rejoicing that they were worthy to what? Suffer. They beat them. Said, shut up. Stop talking about Jesus. Oh, and take this with you. Whack. They went back and said to everybody, they beat us. They beat us. They literally beat us. Our Lord is worthy. I'm a coward. I can't believe I was willing to stand up and say how wonderful Jesus was. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. That's the new heart right there. That's a power that you and I do possess, just not in our flesh. The problem is we're trying. Oh, Lord, I want to glorify you. I will try to glorify you. Watch me glorify you. That's what Peter said before he was indwelt. After he was indwelt, he didn't say that anymore. He said, well, we're going to see what he said. We're going to be in the book of Acts. Except the man be born again. That's what Jesus says in John chapter 3, verse 3. Except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, let me say this about this. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. If you're not born again, I'm just preaching religious words. This is just church stuff to you. But if you're a new creature, something inside you is saying, hey, hey, this is the thing right here. This is, this, this is the missing ingredient right here. I am a new creature, praise God. You want to know how you know that? Because the Holy, the Holy Ghost bears witness that we are the children of God. He says, you are a new child. You are born again. You do have all of these things, and you're not living up to the power of God. Not your potential. You are living up to your potential. It's a terrible potential. You're not living up to his potential. Amen? Greater is he that is in you. Not as greater than you because he's in you. Greater is he. It will always be about him. We just need to start getting into that. We just need to start rejoicing in that. You say, I had, I've had some difficult things. No, no, not worthy to be compared. In, in uh, Isaiah chapter 54, the weight of glory, the actual weight of glory. It's like, man, this glory is heavy. This glory is heavy. The things that we have gone through, the things that we will go through, not worthy to be compared with that glory. Not just the glory that we'll see in him, but the glory which will be revealed in us. How marvelous is that? One more thing in John, I think. In John chapter 4, go to John chapter 4. And we're just going to come back to this. You got, some of you are going to get really tired of me going over and over and over these same things. But we must enter into this. We must lay hold of this. This must become the, uh, the understanding of our heart, and that is this, that, we, that the promise of God is literally twofold. One, I must put away your sin so that, two, I can pour out my spirit. And you have to see that. And that's a complete salvation, right? The Christ taking away your sin the Comforter making you a new creature, that's a complete salvation. Romans makes no sense if you don't understand Acts. And Acts has been misunderstood, mispreached, and mistaught, even abused for way too long. It's time to understand. You know, it's interesting because I almost used Luke because Luke was written by the same person, humanly speaking, that wrote the book of Acts, right? At the very beginning, you read it, the former treaties of Theosophists have I made of all the things that Jesus both, what? Began. The word is began. 
to do. Well, you know, you want, I wrote in my Bible a long, long time ago. You want to know why it says began? Because he's still doing it. The book of, I, I changed it. In my Bible, it says the Acts of uh, the Apostles. And I scratched it out. And I wrote the Acts of Jesus Christ through the Apostles. Amen? If you and I are doing anything worth being done, Jesus is the one doing it. The Holy Ghost is the one doing it. Amen? Although, if it's, listen, the Acts of the Apostles we find in the Gospels. You know what it is? Run away. That's the Acts of the Apostles. That's the strength of the Apostles. I don't know who he is. I'm telling you, you were there. I, I have no idea what this girl's talking about. I'm t- look, can't you, listen, to his, the way, listen to the way he talks. He's obviously from Pungo. Listen to the way he talks. His speech betrays him. He was there with Jesus. I do not know him. Cock-a-doodle-doo. Amen? That's the power of the apostles. The power of the Holy Ghost changes the apostles. Amen? It's important that you understand this. It's critically important that you understand this. We look at people in the Bible as if they are champions. Jesus is a champion. People in the Bible that did good things were followers of the champion. You want to really be a leader, follow Jesus. And say to other people, hey, walk with me as we follow Jesus. And we'll just keep looking to the Lord Jesus. We'll keep trusting him. We'll keep counting on him. And we'll give him all the praise and all the glory when things go well. And when things are going not the way we want to, we will say, Lord, we may not understand what's going on right now. You show us. Help us to understand what's going on. But we trust you. So to the woman at the well, he says this. Go to verse 23. The same woman that he promised this water springing up into everlasting life. He says to her that, uh, in verse 22, he says, you worship, you know not what. He's not being mean. They do not know what they're doing. The Samaritans do not know what they're doing. That's not an unkind statement. That's just a fact. I'm really kind of getting tired in America with people saying that everybody can say whatever they want. You're entitled to your opinion. You understand? You are entitled to your opinion. You're not entitled to your own facts. There's only one truth. Okay? You say, well, my, your truth, well, my truth, I, you don't have your truth. There is the truth. You can say, my fallacy is, my little daydream is, you can say whatever you want to say, the truth is the truth. And there's only one truth. Do you understand? And Jesus says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. This is the truth. This is the truth. My preaching and teaching isn't the truth. The Word of God is the truth. My responsibility is to simply expose the truth, just to show you what it says. That's what we're doing right now. We're just looking into the Word together. I have no truth of my own. I have no power of my own. But this Word is quick and powerful all by itself. And the the author who gave it is alive just like the book is. And he'll change everything. It says, the hour cometh, this is in verse 23, The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father. Again, the Father. Notice this. It's not just God. Look up here, please. I I, I don't know when I shared this. If I shared this last Sunday, I apologize for sharing it again. I know I've shared it someplace recently. It might have been in the Tuesday night class. With Christ in the school of prayer, has changed the way I pray. Then this is the, the primary change in my life right now. I've stopped saying Lord when I pray. I've started saying Father when I pray. I have to actually stop my prayer and start over again. But it's a completely different mindset. We're not talking semantics. 
I used to pray Lord because he is Lord. But what I've come to realize is Lord is great, Father's better. Yes? Can you imagine if one of your children came to you and said, Lord, you are the Lord of the house, right? But if they come to you and say, Father, they come to you and say, Mother, that's a completely different relationship. And we are the children of God. Amen? It's time that we started coming to our Father as children, that we're about our Father's business. Amen? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed what? Be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. In my life, in my life. If you didn't get any further than that in your prayer, Lord, let me worship you. Thou art worthy. Hallowed be thy name. Did you have something that you needed? Not anymore. Not anymore. I just wanted to come in and say, thou art worthy. I just realized, I realized when I came that I was coming in as a selfish brat. And now I realize that I was going to be a selfish brat, and I don't want to do that. Thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you. Thou art worthy. Now, I have a friend of mine. They have some needs. Would you give us this day our daily bread? Yes, my child. I will gladly do that. Amen. We're going to learn. It's coming up, by the way. You should come to the class. It's a Zoom class. It's very easy. The meeting ID is the church's phone number, 757-545-7282. If you come, you can join us. It's from 7 to 8 o'clock on Tuesday night. It's very simple. We're just really having a blessed time. What's coming up in just a little bit is he talks about the, the person who comes on behalf of a friend. The person who comes on behalf of a friend. And he says, I've got a friend. They've got a need. And I don't have anything. We all have friends who have a need, and we don't have anything. Amen? He said, if you went to a friend who had everything that was necessary, and they wouldn't hear you, if you kept saying, I'm just going to pick a person. I'm going to pick Mitch. Mitch, there's a missionary. Uh, They've come to the church, and I don't have anything to give them. I know Svetlana's made some of that sourdough bread that she makes. I need a loaf. Pastor. Now, this is not something that Mitch would say, by the way. He would say, sure, sure, come on in. But let's just say he said, Pastor, it's late. From upstairs in their house, (laughs) out the window. Pastor, it's late, go away. Not leaving. I have nothing to give them. They need something. Come down and give me something. He says, if you would do that long enough, your good friend would come down and say, you know what? Take as much as you need. Take as much as you need. If that's true, and it is, how much more do you suppose our father will say to his children, here, here's something to give to your friend. Amen? Now, whether they eat it or not, that's between them and God. This is something I've really come to understand. I cannot help my friend unless God gives me something to give them. Now, whether they reject that or not, that's between them and God. But at least I can give them something. Amen? Yes? But where do I get it from? I don't have anything. That's the whole point of the teaching. I don't have anything to give them, but he does. Amen? That's wonderful, isn't it? Honestly, isn't it marvelous how capable God is? God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit. I said we we're going to get to the book of Acts. I want to go to one more place in John, and then I promise we'll go to Acts, just so I can say we made it. John chapter 7. Go to John chapter 7. John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39 are the part of John 
that makes the Christ, the Comforter, the complete salvation a series. It's the part in John. And here's what it is. In that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, if any man thirst, underline that, if any man thirst. By the way, man does not mean you have to be a male. If anybody thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He that believeth on me as the scripture hath said, Old Testament scriptures, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, do you see how significant this is? Do you see how these go together? The Christ is coming to pay for our sins so that the Father can come toward us in blessing instead of in judgment. Amen? We need Jesus to rescue us so that Jesus can rescue us. The first step of our rescue is to have our sins taken away. The second step of our rescue is to have the Spirit of God poured into us. And then we're rescued. That's a rescue right there. Amen? I will forgive your sins and I'll make you a new person. I will pay for your sins and I will come live inside you. That's that's unbelievable. In fact, it's not even understood, but it should be. Some of you are hearing what I'm saying right now and say, Pastor, this would be life-changing if this was true. It is true. Unless you're not a new creature. If you're not a new creature, listen, to Nicodemus he said, to Nicodemus he said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. If you're not born again, then you cannot receive the forgiveness of sins, nor can you receive the Spirit of God living in you. Can't. But if you are, just like that. Just like that. And it's time for us to understand it and live in it. And that's the purpose of this series. Now, it's funny. Just one more verse. Go to John 16. I forgot about this one. I want to say this one. There's a lot less than we looked at together last week. But go to John 16. John 16. This is still the promise presented. And I want you to see, I say the promise presented because I want you to notice that it still isn't going to be fulfilled yet. At the end of the Gospels, there's still something that needs to happen. And we'll see this. This is what Jesus says in chapter 16, verse 7, talking about the promise. This is what he says. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Amen? And I know I've said this a thousand times probably. I'm exaggerating maybe, but I will say it a thousand times probably if the Lord doesn't come get me soon. This is it. Greater than God with us. Emmanuel. Jesus is Emmanuel. And I, I, I remember at some point just entering into this. This is so wonderful. Okay? God in the Old Testament being around them in the Shekinah glory, that's, that's, that's one thing. God walking with them in flesh, that's something better. That's Emmanuel. God with us. And, and Emmanuel is saying this, I got to go. I got to go. But he doesn't just say, I got to go. He says, it's important for you that I do. It's important for you that I leave. Now, I got to be honest with you. They've been waiting for Emmanuel, right? They've been waiting for thousands of years for Emmanuel. And now in less than 33, he says, I'm here, but I got to go. And it's important for you that I leave. Again, think about that. We've been waiting for thousands of years for you to come. And you're telling us you've got to leave? 
and it's good for us that you would leave? How is that possible? And this is the answer, because greater than God with us is God in us. I mean, it's, it's all the difference in the world. He's saying, he's very clearly saying, this is just step one. This is just step one. I've come to take away your sins. I've come to be glorified. I've come to sit at the Father's right hand to ever live to make intercession for you. But more important than me just interceding for you, I've come to pour out a whole new quality of life. It's what he says, right? I will send him unto you. When I go and be with the Father, I will send forth the Holy Ghost. He will come and live inside you and change everything. Amen? This is the promise presented. Now, the promise accomplished. And there are a few points. We're going to probably just look at the first one today, and we'll come back. This is kind of where we were at the end of last week. Some of you weren't here last week, so we'll just consider that. I remember Anne-Marie Stamatolatis now. She was Anne-Marie Lloyd when she said this. She said, Pastor, she was coming to Tuesday night class. She said, Pastor, we'd get so much further if you'd stop telling us what you told us last week. I said, yeah, if you really got it last week, I wouldn't have to tell you again this week. But I need it. Yeah, I, I heartily benefit. I benefit from going over and over these things. The promise accomplished. The promise accomplished. Here's a sub, right? The book, it says, wait for the promise of the Father. It literally says, wait for the promise of the Father. Let's look at it. Acts chapter 1. John read it. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus. Remember, I said, this is speaking of the gospel of Luke. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also showed himself alive after his passion, after his resurrection, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. Notice this, underline this, but wait for the promise of the Father. Underline that part. Wait for the promise of the Father. He's telling them, don't go anywhere yet. You're not ready. And he says, wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you've heard of me. Where did they hear it? Where did they hear of this promise? Tell me. And the answer is John. All through the Gospel of John. Yes? All the time of his ministry, he was telling them, I can't tell you, I can't even begin to tell you how great it's going to be when the Holy Ghost comes and lives inside you. At one, we didn't have time. We didn't look at, remember, there are a lot of passages in John we didn't look at together again this morning that we looked at together last week. At one point, he literally says to, the, to them this, I'd like to teach you some more stuff right now, but here's the problem, you won't get it. You won't, if I tell you, you won't get it. But when the Holy Ghost comes, you'll get it. When the Holy Ghost comes, he'll teach you. By the way, you'll remember what I said, and suddenly you'll go, oh, remember when he said that? Now I understand. And then the Holy Ghost is going to say, yep, and here's some new stuff that goes with it. By the way, all from the Word of God, not weird, mystical, and magical, if you understand what I'm saying, all from the Word of God, but you'll now understand it. Isn't that amazing? I mean, and everybody that's born again testifies to this. Before I was saved, the Bible was just a book. But after I've been born again, it's now a love letter from my Father. And everything in it has changed. Why? Because the Holy Spirit teaches us. You know, the Bible is really clear that my responsibility is not to make you get this. My responsibility is to expose you to it. That's my responsibility. The Holy Ghost's responsibility is to make you get it. Amen? That's, and that that's, takes a lot off the preacher, let me tell you. 
Amen. But, you know, it helps us a great deal because we're not great enough for these things. But he sure enough is. Amen. Wait for the promise which you've heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Wow. Wow. Again, this word baptism, we're going to talk about it in a study. It's going to be in the Sunday evening study, but it's not going to be for a couple of weeks yet. But when we talk about it, we're going to come to understand that baptism is meant to picture an internal change. Baptism is complete immersion. Again, we're going to talk about a pickle recipe. There's a difference between washing a cucumber and making a pickle. Does everybody understand that? Does everybody understand that? Anybody ever wash a cucumber? Anybody ever wash a cucumber? Raise your hand if you've ever washed a cucumber. If you've eaten a cucumber and you haven't washed it, you make me a little nervous, okay? Okay, so if you've eaten a cucumber, now when I was a kid, we used to pick cucumbers right out of our neighbor's garden, amen? I don't know if you guys did that or not. Right out of our neighbor's garden, just eat them. Tomatoes, too, just all kinds. It's like, man, thank you for growing all of these things. We, we're running around playing, having a great time. It's like, I'm hungry. Let's go to the farmer's market. Let's go to not market. Let's just go to his garden. Amen. Get some, get some of the goods out of there. Amen. But if, when you wa- let me ask you this, honestly. When you wash a cucumber, does it become a pickle? The answer is no. But if you immerse the cucumber in the brine, it changes everything, right? You put it in, you seal it till it has an effect upon it. That's literally what the Holy Spirit has done. The Holy Spirit is not around us. The Holy Spirit is not on us. The Holy Spirit is what? Inside us. That's what baptism really is. Baptism is not a little bit of a sprinkling of God on you. Oh, no, no, no. Baptism is a picture. Physical baptism is a picture that God has come to live inside. I remember saying this one time, we we're teaching a class on baptism, and Malcolm Spiller said, he raised his hand, and he says, so God wants us to be Jesus pickles. And I said, that's greatly said right there. That is well said. God wants us to be Jesus pickles. Amen. He wants, he wants to live inside us and completely change us. Amen. You shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost was not simply going to come on them. He was going to come in them and change everything. When they, this is in verse 6, when they were therefore come together and asked him, said, Lord, I love, listen, I'm, not, I, I'm sorry. We are so much like the disciples. He's telling them this marvelous thing, this truly marvelous thing. I'm going to change you from the inside. The Holy Ghost is going to come. He's going to change you from the inside. Lord, are you going to get rid of Rome? Just asking. Just asking. Are you going to get rid of Rome? Listen to me. I'm, listen to me. I believe that the average American Christian is not changed by the indwelling of the Holy Ghost because they want an external fix. Do you understand? Does everybody understand what I mean? Thank you for coming to live within me. Now you can fix that. He's like, are you kidding me? What is wrong with you? No, I'm going to fix you. Amen? No, I'm going to fix you. I didn't think I needed that much fixing. But here I got a list of my friends. I call them friends. <laughs> they don't like me very much. These people really need some fixing, Lord. God help us. I got a list of my enemies. <laughs> it's a bigger list. They really, they either need some fixing or some judgment. You choose. Amen? And Jesus says, how about I fix you? Yes? Why did Israel kill Jesus? Because they didn't want him to fix them. He came to rescue them from them, right? He came unto his own and his own received him not. Yeah, that's an understatement. 
They didn't, they didn't, not only didn't receive him, they crucified him. With one voice, away with him. Away. His blood be upon our head and the heads of what? Our children. That's remarkable. May our children be judged if this is wrong. And they have been. Anybody keeping up with Israel? Now, by the way, thank God for what we saw together in Isaiah chapter 54. There is a day coming, praise God, Romans, when we get to complete salvation. You want to change the people's lives around you? Get to Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, and then go into 12. And you'll realize you should have a burden for the unsaved in your life. But if you want to help them, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. Give your body to God because the Holy Spirit can do a far better job if you let him have control than if you try to help your neighbor and your, and your family member. Anybody aware of how powerless you are to help your neighbor and your family member? Anybody? Anybody? Then are you ready to stop? Are you ready to start letting the Holy Spirit make the difference? And here's the answer. Yeah, that's what I need. I need the Holy Spirit to change them. No, you need the Holy Spirit to change you. Right? That's what he's going to say. Let's keep reading. It goes on. And he, right? You're going to get rid of You're going to get rid of the, 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 you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel. He said, it's not for you to know that. But you shall receive power. That's verse 8. But you shall, again, it's dunamis, dynamite. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And listen to what it says. And you shall be witnesses unto me. I really thought that all this meant was that they were going to preach Jesus. And they are going to preach Jesus. But that's not real. I'm telling you, listen to me. That is not the power of God. The power of God is not the ability to talk. The power of God is a changed life. Do you understand? They did not marvel that Peter was willing to talk. They marveled at the change that they saw in Peter's life. They said, this isn't, again, and I'm tell, honestly, the, the Greek is so clear. It, it is transliterated, uh, no grammar idiot. No grammar idiot. Anybody can raise their hand to that? No grammar idiot. Right. Ignorant and unlearned men. That's that's a King James translation. These are ignorant and unlearned men. The word ignorant is no grammar. The word idiot. I mean, excuse me. The word unlearned is idiot. I'm not joking. You go look up the Greek. No grammar idiot. And yet they've been with Jesus. Amen. That's an education right there. Spend some time with Jesus. Well, I'm kind of refined. Maybe Jesus doesn't want you to be around him. I don't know. You understand? Humble ourselves. Spend some time with the Lord Jesus. He'll change everything. And you will be a witness unto him. Really, honestly, I, I have made this mistake for too long in my life and thought that the things that I said were more important than the things that I did or the way I lived. It's, that's wrong. That's wrong. I've been wrong. I've been wrong. The things that you say to your children are not nearly as important as the way you live your life. Not nearly as important. Not nearly as important. Let me say this again. The things that you say to your children are not nearly as important as the way you live your life. Not nearly. In fact, they almost don't count. Because unless there's a change, what you say is irrelevant. But if there is a change, they'll ask you. Mom, Dad. I need to be like you. You'll say, no, you need to be like Jesus. You don't need to be like me. Do you, do you remember me? Remember last Tuesday, the guy waving his arms and ranting and raving like that? That was me. 
Amen. That's not Jesus. But Jesus is awesome. We must understand that it is the power of God in us to change us. That is the miracle. That's the miracle. You want to hear a real miracle? Let's put a couple hundred people together and do that. Yeah? Let's put a couple hundred people together bumping into each other as they're ministering, doing things together, and see them love one another, defer to one another, say, no, 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 you go first. No, 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 you can do it. I don't need to do it. I'll, just, I'll, I'll be here in the back just waiting. If you need my help, just let me know. That's a miracle. Tell me that's not a miracle. That's a miracle. Tell me the churches aren't in need of that. Tell me we're not in need of that. More and more and more, tell me we're not in need of that. No, no, you go first. You go. You just go. I don't even need to go. I, no, no, no. I'm sure, you, you start, I'm sure you're prepared to do something. I don't need to do anything. Honestly, I mean that. True, Truly, honestly. I mean that. You know, um, the other day John was running late. John doesn't run late for Sunday school very often. The other day he was running late enough that I started wondering if I was teaching Sunday school. You know what I was going to teach for Sunday school? Whatever I was going to preach for the morning service. You know what he was going to preach for the morning service? Sunday school. Amen? And you know what? I was fine with that. Truly fine with that. You know how he teaches Sunday school? Most of you don't know because you're not here. Well, I mean, Lord willing, soon you'll be able to. He's over here. This morning, uh, Manny and Gloria were sitting back there. And Devin was in the booth. And whoever was watching online was watching online. And John taught Sunday school with all of his heart, with all of his soul, and with all of his being. And it was wonderful. Amen? I was sitting right there, by the way. Amen. Amen? Do you understand? Do you truly understand? This is the Holy Ghost living inside us changes everything. I don't have to go first. I don't have to go at all. I don't have to be known. I do want to be on time. In fact, I want to be early. I want to be there. I want to be ready. I want to help because people need help. But not for me, they don't. But the Holy Spirit in me can be a help to them. Amen? Tell me it's not wonderful. That's the promise of God. We're going to come back to this next week. We're going to see more of the promise accomplished. So right now, all we've seen, so far all we've seen is wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for the promise of the Father. But if you're a new creature, you have the promise of the Father. They had to wait for it. You didn't. And by the way, when you got saved, you did not know that. You did not know that. You did not know that. How many of you remember when you got saved having no idea what was really going on? This is how I felt when I got saved. I'm kind of warm and fuzzy all over. All right? I have peace with God. My sins are forgiven. I'm really excited. I want to read my Bible. Amen? That's it. That's what I knew. That's it. Somehow I got away from that. Don't get away from that. I am just forgiven. Still. Just, but you know what? I'm a child of God. And I get to go, and again, I'm not trying to be irreverent, but he's the one that gives us the, says the Holy Spirit lives with not innocent, cries what? Which is daddy. Right? Right? Do you understand that? I have grandchildren. My children don't call me daddy anymore. They've matured. It would be a little weird. It would be a lot weird, really. You know what I'm saying? If Rebecca walked over and said, daddy, can I sit on your lap? Well, you can. You know what I'm saying? You know? I've lost a lot of weight, though. You might break me now. Come on over here. Have a seat. You know what I'm saying? Do you understand? But if my grand, my grandchildren, the other day, my grandchildren, I don't know why, my grandchildren thought I was a lounge chair. There's room for one more grandchild. And you know what? Every grandparent would say this. There is room for one more grandchild. Sure, climb on. Try not to hit the one that's on the bottom here. Amen? <laughs> Amen? 
Tell us, and we being evil, we love our children and our grandchildren. How much more does our father love us? How much more does he want us to climb up into his lap as an adult and say, Daddy, help me. Help me. Help me. I don't know what you've done. I don't need to know what you've done. Help me. Forgive me. Thank you for the blood. Make a difference. Help my whatever, family member, neighbor, coworker. Help. Help. Can you do this? Hallowed be thy name. Would you be glorified in helping my neighbor? Would you be glorified in helping my child? Would you be glorified in that? Would you reach out and touch them? Would you make a difference? You know what you're doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what you're doing all the time. But that's the difference that the Holy Ghost is making. Father, thank you for loving us. How truly wonderful is our Savior's love for us. Lord, we, we, we adore the love that you have for us. We, do, we adore it. We glory in it. We magnify it. We lift you up and say, Thou art worthy. Thank you for all of these things. Thank you for giving us this time together this morning. Thank you. We praise you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen.